Yes, indeed, another great morning on The Morning Machine, the machine that makes your mornings move. Thank you so much for making The Machine a part of your daily morning routine. Brother Rob is always on the job, clocking it in for you to get you where you need to go. Now, I will say this, though. It's it's going to be a great morning. It's been a great week so far, and today is nothing short of amazing because we're bringing back family he knows his family. He's been around us for eons. <laughs> for a while. For a long time. And this guy is a political consultant who has been actively involved in politics since 2005. I mean, this man has been able to serve the community with his father, who is now retired, I just found out. Over the break in off-air conversation, yes. retired now. First father and son, African-American father and son to do it. Yes. I mean, that's history-making right there. You don't see too many fathers and sons in the in the politics at the same time. You don't see that. It's a lot and of pressure. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of pressure, huh? Yeah, but it, and it can be a pressure cooker because, you know, there's the initiatives, there's a lot of things. But I'll say this. This man has been serving the community and putting initiatives together to make communities, the communities that he serves, and the communities around it better. That's why we always bring him back here to speak transparently about the issues, how to solve them, and what needs to happen next to continue the improvement that he's already done. So, like I said, he needs no introduction, but I'm going to give it to him anyway because it wouldn't be the Mortar Machine without it. Georgia House of Representatives representing District 75, 75, that's what I'm talking about, the three-fourths, three-quarters, 75, Mike Glanton Jr., powerful morning to you, King, how you doing? Good morning, how you doing, how you doing? Man, it is so great to have you back and to do this in the beginning of 2024 prior to the rest of the election season because elections are a season. You know, there's primaries, and then there's the November elections that we always know about. And a lot of us show up and show out for. Not to say we we don't need more work to be done, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's start here, okay? Because there are a lot of new listeners out there that have not heard from you before. And so we want to kind of just give them a brief synopsis of how you got started on your political journey. Well, uh, first of all, I want to appreciate y'all for still doing your thing and making sure that you all are on the air and spreading the word and, and just, you know, reaching everybody. And I see you added Charlotte on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, oh, we've had Charlotte. Oh, you've already. had Charlotte. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. so I, well, I'm appreciative that you still got. Uh, those Charlotte people on there as well. Yeah, and you're just growing the platform, so that's that's extremely important. Yes, and uh, I'm back again. You know, of I'm, course, I'm back again. It would it it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a great 2024 without you. Be and I say that because you've done so many positive things in the community, not just 
in the world of politics, but just for your community in general. And there's always a start to that. So I just want to give the listeners a brief synopsis before we dive into the rest of the conversation about how you got started in the politics and, you know, seeing your father do it. Well, uh, thank you for the question. Well, my my journey in politics, I think, started way before my father got elected. And that's actually the first time I've actually said that because uh, I remember being— um, you know, a young man that wanted to be an attorney. Mm. Uh, I was very debative. Uh, mm. I was always, like, trying to, you know, assert my point of view. And so I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And uh, also it took interest in a lot of government officials and people that I saw on TV. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> fast forward it to 2005 when my father was uh, decided to run for the Georgia House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. And... You know, uh, like I told you before, uh, when people start to run, they go get the cheapest help they can find at first, and that's their family. And and so uh, my father, you know, he made that plan and and discussed it with us as a family. And, you know, hey, son, I need your help. Come out here and knock on doors with me. I remember dad dropped me off and knock on doors, and I would be, you know, angry with people if they said something, you know, I didn't like about my father or something like that. But Mm -hmm. it, it taught me to start to just respect other people's opinions mm-hmm. and to start to understand that, hey, we might walk away from here with some things that we disagree on, but let's find some things that we can find that are, are more common to each other that we mm-hmm. can agree on so that we won't feel like that we're completely going down a different path when we're all aligned the same, pretty much we want a better community. And yeah, so- that common ground is always important. Now, and, and, I, and you just said something. You, you had a bit of a, a challenge where people were, you know, in politics, there are positive ads, there are negative ads. And when you were hearing the negative things, what were some, what were some things that you had to put in place for yourself to not take that commentary from people who did not support your father? How, how was it? How did you do that? Because it's not easy. That's, that's your dad you're talking about. And these people are talking about how were you able to muster up that courage and strength to be able to say, you know what, let me not take it personal. Let me take it from a different direction. And, and learn to respect other people's opinions. That we have a hard time having conversations just in our community regarding and respecting people's opinions. So what concept did you put in place to be able to get away from that personal? Well, for one, I knew that if I got into a public display or spat, we weren't going to get that vote anyway. Mm. And, and number two, uh, you know, you learn that everybody doesn't have the same experience you do. And so that's why we create surrogates. That's why we create representatives and people Mm -hmm. that go out and they speak on our behalf because this this person may not know this person. This person may not have experienced or understand in explaining, uh, you know, an issue in in the political world. They may not quite understand how to get there. Mm -hmm. We may be talking about the same thing. We may be talking about going about it different. And so I learned to not to develop a thick skin but not let it bother me to the fact because now I just need to explain to them who this guy is and mm-hmm. why I'm here representing him. And hopefully that uh, resonates with them to an extent to where they'll at least try to understand who this person is or get to know a person before you say you don't like them or whatever. We have so mm-hmm. many 
uh, reasons why we discount each other before we even get to know how much how much we actually have in common together. Yeah, and it takes a lot of conversation to do that. Absolutely. It, it, and as as my brother Coach Jarvis always says, robust dialogue uh, that you have to have in order to find a common ground. And you know, it, it a lot of people will agree to disagree on certain issues, certain. Uh, just, just certain topics of conversation. Transit. That's one of those topics we always disagree on. I, oh, don't I, get me started. Why'd you say that? Well, I had you going to get me started. It's, it's a little fresh on me because uh, uh, I was at an event last night, and, and and me knowing the devastation of how hard it is without <clears throat> being in a transit desert. Let's not say, you know, we've used the term food desert. Yes. Some of mm-hmm. us are in transit deserts. And yes, uh, I heard I a person it. say, uh, well, if you move to Georgia, you got to have a car. That's not always feasible for Stigma. everyone, and, and and so they're still we're still fighting that narrative of crime comes more crime statistics raise when there's transit. But we also have to look at the statistics of when you're in these transit de- deserts, how much crime is related to not being able to even get out, not yeah. being able to to make to to have an opportunity. You know what? Thank you for segueing right to that that subject. And and by the way, I appreciate the first question to just kind of get us started a little bit because I'm glad you said transit desert. Why am I saying that? Because I have a vast interest in especially public transportation. Now, before, before we get into that question, District 75, what areas does that cover for the listening audience? So, uh... First of all, Georgia House of Representative District 75 was represented by my father for yes. 17 years. Mm. Uh, he represented the Clayton County area. This mm-hmm. uh, this Since redistricting, uh, this district has been cut to the unincorporated area of Jonesboro. So mm. we're not talking about Riverdale. We're not talking about um, uh, 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 Morrow. We're not talking about uh, Rex or Ellenwood, we're talking about unincorporated Jonesboro. So mm. those are the people that may that don't live in the city of Jonesboro, but they live in Jonesboro. Right. And they so have a mailing address. They have says, a mailing address yeah. that says mm-hmm. Jonesboro. Uh, we also cover a small part of the city of Jonesboro mm-hmm. as well, too. So uh, it's re- very, very deep uh, history in those areas, mm-hmm. as well as plenty of opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. I look at Clayton County like the Phoenix of the metropolitan area. You know, we have a resurgence and, and it's Clayton County is one of the only counties that I see all of the cities, the seven cities that are in the, in the County, mm-hmm. they operate, they operate like brothers and sisters. And right. when I say that, that means we keep contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really see that often in Gwinnett, DeKalb, Fulton, even, I don't even see it in, uh, in, in some places at Douglas, but I'm so thankful that we have that camaraderie in Clayton, but also, know that we have to have right representation to be able to start getting tangible things in terms of legislation and policy that really changes the trajectory of our community, mm-hmm. our community going forward. And so if we can start getting on track with that, I think that we can change the narrative of <clears throat> always being counted out so we're always thinking that we're counted out instead of thinking optimistically based on the possibility of what we can do in the future. Had a chance to actually see that um, and last year at a visit to the state capitol. First time ever been there. 
very nice in there. And uh, we were in chambers and with the Clayton County, uh, the business leaders of Clayton County. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chamber of Commerce. Chamber of Commerce, yes. <clears throat> thank, thank you for... We had uh, that day, this. that Clayton Chamber day was, I think, last week. Uh, yeah, and it, it, matter of fact, it was around this time last year that he had a uh, Clayton Clayton Chamber of Commerce Day, and I was actually I actually attended last year in place of uh, someone else, and just to kind of see what was going on and just experience that, and it, and what an experience it was, uh, being able to meet the the leaders like DOT and all of that. Absolutely. So, and I saw the camaraderie in the room from the education to commerce to they were really having those deep deeply rooted conversations that so when you say that they act like brother and sister they are really supporting one another in the county or throughout the county yes we saw that because you can't go through the county without going through other places exactly and and so unless we are isolated and we can control our own flow we are in a acting with each other we're intersecting through municipalities and Mm -hmm. different things like that so we have to be able to have that camaraderie because at the end of the day invisible lines are separating us so therefore what you're going through two feet over into this city Mm -hmm. i'm probably going through two feet over into this city Mm -hmm. so we got to realize that our problems aren't different and so in order for us to you know start to um get down to the root of them, Mm -hmm. we have to start, you know, first of all, identify that we all have the same issue and this is what we can do as collectively to support our constituents, our community, our citizens, and all of the above. It's interesting. You said the issue. Issue. You brought it up. Transit desert in unincorporated Jonesboro, Clayton County. So what would be the biggest issue is that marta is not reaching these places or there's no public transit that will reach out to those particular areas what would be the main issue as to why unincorporated jonesboro and areas surrounding have a transit desert well it's it's not a complete transit desert thanks to the legislation that my father and other uh distinguished leaders worked on Mm -hmm. years ago with getting marta re-implemented back into Clayton County, mm-hmm. not only re-implemented, but also with more routes, and it did the county more service, and it did us more justice in terms of mm-hmm. uh, uh, public transportation. Uh, but it was also in a uh, forethought of eventually getting down to rail and light rail development, and yes. heavy rail and things like that. But um, I'm a starch proponent of light rail development. Also know that it has to be conducive with infrastructure. Yeah, and trans-oriented so, development. Yes, yes, yeah, it has to be conducive with that. Uh, I know that traditionally on the south side, we uh, have been getting a lot of buses. And we bought into, down the line, the rail development. Yes. Um, now I think we're at a standstill because it's still a lot of uh, bureaucracy that you have to go through with mm-hmm. Norfolk Southern yeah. and those uh, sensitivity things about the the rails. But I also think that I, I, I'm a person that says that we can look at the, the, the things that possibly couldn't be done, but mm-hmm. also understand we cannot afford to not do anything. See, we think that because we try things that that's going to hurt us more. Mm. Not doing anything about things hurts us worse than actually – trying to implement new ideas and things that could help grow us, but not doing it, we'll never know. And so 
Um, I, I think that that's at a standstill right now, but I also know that that's a, a growth mechanism. Mm-hmm. You can look at a suburb like Richardson, Texas, out in uh, uh, Texas, that was a sleepy suburb. Um, I think it was Dallas, sleepy suburb of Dallas. Mm-hmm. But once they expanded transit uh, and the light rail development, mm-hmm. that community grew expeditiously. Absolutely. And it grew based on the ability for not only their residents to get from there to better paying jobs, if that was the case, but it also bought in a tourism eth- uh, method to where now they can uh, uh, have attractions in that area and people invite people over there. Now you're bringing tourism money, tax dollars back down into the area as well as you're able to retain it as well. And then um, we also look at the economic growth around transit, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of uh, uh, businesses and entrepreneurship and uh, strip malls and or, or, yeah. or live, work, and play areas. Mm-hmm. There was a model up in, um, uh, think it, I think it's Brookhaven. It's kind of on the edge of Buckhead, uh, but... It was where Center Bistro was. Yeah. I, and it, yeah, it had I the movie exactly. theater, the yes. restaurants, it's and the still, live working. It's still out there, the movie yeah, theater is the, actually. The movie theater, I think, is closed. But the area still, you know, is there, and it still represents the initial development and design that it was right. supposed to do. And that's what we can start doing in other areas, especially in Clayton County with some of the undeveloped land that we have. Um, but we also are right outside of the world's busiest airport. Yes. And we have FIFA World Cup coming in 26. So yes. these are things that we have to capitalize on a, as a region mm-hmm. and not just, oh, when things are coming to metropolitan Atlanta, the tradition is they going to Sandy Springs or Buckhead or downtown. They ain't venturing out into it's, – it's almost like if we bring the world here, why are we not trying to uh, uh, engage them? Why are we not trying to uh, take advantage of those dollars? Mm-hmm. When we go to other places yes. and we tour – we spread out and we take money into other areas of that area because it's a tourism area. So we right. need to be able to tap into that. We have great things in, in, in um, Clayton County, historic downtown Jonesboro, mm-hmm. Road to Terror Museum. We have uh, mm-hmm. uh, we have Slady Vegan. We yeah, got I great restaurants. Yep. We got uh, <laughs> what else we have? We have uh, downtown Riverdale. We have ample theaters. Uh, Clayton yes. County is building a new a commencement uh, uh, facility for oh, nice. graduations and special events and nice. things like that. And we have the Clayton County Beach still. Uh, yes. We have a lot of things that we have uh, that we can tap into, but there are also uh, future possibilities. You know, with this next mm-hmm. generation coming up, things are so innovative and technology-driven that we could easily, you know, with our pro- proximity to the world's business airport, become a beacon for those logistical technology things uh, that the airport survives on. It's interesting that you said the uh, transit-oriented development. Um, One place that I would suggest to look at is also Charlotte. Because Charlotte, and I watched this happen. I actually, oddly enough, we used to have a senior exit project when I uh, graduated high school, before graduating high school. And I did it on the light rail project and its transit-oriented development. So it's full, kind of full circle that you're saying this right now because Charlotte, when they built their first line to the south from uptown Charlotte down South Boulevard, they ended up... Blow it! It's blowing up exponentially just because of the fact that you put rails on an abandoned line and made it a transit line. And 
Then, by 2015, you pushed it northbound. 2015, 2016, you pushed it northbound to UNC Charlotte. And now you actually have a stop on campus, and the students are boom, boom, boom. But then the development around it, it has now improved every facet of that line. Going north and south, there is millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of development by just putting tracks in the neighborhood. Let me and tell you. It's just so interesting that you say that. Let me go a step farther. Yes. You, you from Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, from yep. Philadelphia. So it is. how can I work in New York City? And I mean, live in New York City, work in Philadelphia, and get to work on time. Mm-hmm. Because that infrastructure for that transit is conducive for if you can't get it here, we're going to make the opportunity for you to be able to go somewhere else in the region to be able to make a living. Yes. And so now more than ever, people are worried about their bottom line, their livable mm-hmm. wage, rent control, things that are socially, economically affecting us. And now um, we have to make sure that people are actually downtown fighting for those issues. There's so much fluff that could go on in the Georgia General Assembly that you, especially in an election year, that Mm -hmm. may not benefit the community effectively. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that it is important for us to start addressing those social economic issues that are affecting us through our transit, our education, and our health care, especially in the areas that I, I, I look to represent. Mm, you know, it's so interesting because we know transit is one issue. There's a transit desert to a certain degree, right? But then there may be other issues to look at. The transit may be the top. Who knows? But there may be other issues that you saw or that uh, you're, the people of District 75 have come to you, the residents have come to you and said, hey, this is a problem here, and how do you intend to solve that? So what would be more of the issues besides transit that you would be looking at to really speak on within this campaign for re-election? Well, uh, some of the things, uh, uh, the reason why I'm such an advocate is not because of something that I saw from the sideline or something that somebody told me. Mm-hmm. These are things and life experiences that I actually lived through. Mm. I'm so thankful to God that I'll be 45 this year, which means that I've had a lot of time on this earth yes. to experience things. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the things that I experienced as a young man, I believe that with certain changes in place could have changed the trajectory of my life. And I know that the type of person that I am and that I've gone, have come to be, I have taken some of those opportunities and they have changed things in my life, which makes it more optimistic that if we gave other young men and young women those same opportunities, they could excel. And so when we're talking about the issues in our community, we're looking at an equation. Equation, I mean, there's more than one thing that we need to put together in order to get a solution. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, we talked about transit. Education is one of those things that's really, really big on my platform. Yes. It's really big for me because it's always been big it every is. single time. Um, you, you've always uh, been a major advocate for the improvement of education in the community. And so uh, speak on that. Well, the, the reason being with education is because I was a, uh, a direct you know, recipient of 
certain things in education that I think that can change other people's lives in sense of uh, apprenticeship, uh, trades. You know, when I was in um, high school, mm-hmm. we had three categories. We had college prep, college prep advanced, and tech prep. Um, tech prep was kind of like the people that didn't test as well, mm-hmm. but they were gearing us towards more trades, media production, things like that. Mm-hmm. Things that we think are so cool now that we right. didn't think they were cool then. And uh, it was like, I want to be in a smart class. Like, nah, <laughs> I need to go do something remember, with my hands. I remember those Yeah, days. I need to go yep, do yep. something with my hands. So <laughs> I, I was so thankful for the opportunity. I ended up going into the media business a couple of years ago. And, and mm-hmm. I think last time I was here, I owned a film and production studio. Yeah, that's, with, that's right. Yeah, with no you, you prior did. experience. But mm-hmm. I was willing to do those things based on my experiences in the past. Now, when we talking about an apprenticeship, or things that we're talking about in forms of education, mm-hmm. we have to tap more into the reality of what's really going on with us now. And social economics has to factor into it, financial literacy, as well as uh, the the reality that some of us may not go to college. Yeah, uh, I, I, yeah. I wanted, I, you know, as a as a young man, I watched Michael Jordan at North Carolina Tar Heels. I wanted to go mm-hmm. play for North Carolina and Dean Smith. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go to college, but I wanted to go to college for the sports. I didn't realize the rigorous uh, things I had to do as far as academics. But mm-hmm. I, I, that doesn't mean I couldn't have done it. Right. It just means that, again, we have to factor in the social economics of mm-hmm. everyone's lives in terms of some of the things that we could or we couldn't possibly do based on our environment. Um doesn't mean you cannot do it solely. You have to just continue to work harder on going outside of the line on that. But I think now we're in a position where, as a state, we can create the public-private partnerships right. that we need with Georgia being the number one in America to do business, mm-hmm. meaning yes. that we're flooded with businesses. We have more minority-owned businesses than anybody else in the country. Facts. We have more female minority-owned businesses than anyone else in the country. Facts. So it's safe to say we're doing business in the state of Georgia. Yeah, now, absolutely. what we can do, what we have to do is we have to make sure we tie that into the educational sector mm-hmm. because we're losing so many young men and women at graduation. When graduation was supposed to be in that peak or beginning of the rest of their life, we're losing a lot of them at graduation because of the reality of life kicking in and them not having too many options. And when you don't have too many options, you normally take what, what, you, what you have around them. We don't want people becoming victims of their environment because they don't have the opportunities or options. The options that I, were given, I was given, the opportunities I was given uh, as an apprenticeship with my father is the same way that I want to aggressively approach mm-hmm. this with Georgia. And, you know, when you have a great idea and you think about it yourself, you might say, man, that's a rock star idea. The minute you take it out there in the public, you know, people are going to shoot it down. Oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Oh, businesses would never buy into this. Businesses would never do this. You need to focus on this. I don't like to take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. I believe that if we do not do anything, Mm-hmm. We are in a worse situation than unless we try new things. Technology wasn't introduced to us the way it is 20 years ago. So if you would have told us all the stuff that we're doing with technology now, you'd be like, mm-hmm. man, that's crazy. No, we're not doing that. I, I'm, I'm afraid. That's, that's, that's risky. Mm-hmm. But it happened anyway, and you see where we are now. The same thing that needs to go in place with our education mm-hmm. and our 
uh, transferable skill set in the workforce development of the state of Georgia. Uh, and I have a program that's unique to me called the Workforce Education Feeder System. And it is set up like college athletics. And when you're talking about college athletics, I'm talking about a college that invests in into the recreation department or the middle school, mm-hmm. adolescent departments of, of, of the feeder schools in order for them to be ready for their program mm-hmm. when I come to recruit you to come to my school. Right. Now you're coming already ready, uh, readily um, prepared mm-hmm. to do this job better than if I just went in and plucked you off the street and was like, hey, you know, here's these programs, learn it. Opposed to if we were able to engage these young men and young women mm-hmm. in school, mm-hmm. in the eighth grade, in the curriculum. Mm-hmm. So now they're not just graduating with a diploma, they're graduating with a diploma, a transferable skill set, certifications that immediately take them into a career path mm-hmm. that allows them to make the money that they need to make, as well as these things are positive for the community and the business. It creates retention, lowers the recidivism rate, uh, creates more homeowners, people that tend to own, they care more about their community. Not mm-hmm. saying anything about anybody else, but though those are the people that we want to continue to, we want to grow so that we can continue to ch- uh, create that generational wealth in our community. And uh, like I said at an event yesterday, most of our generational, uh, most of our wealth comes from our homes. So we have mm-hmm. to be able to put people in positions to be able to purchase homes so they won't be at the mercy of some landlords and, and, and out of control balloon rent, uh, rent costs especially when they're not putting any extra money in our checks uh, to be able to supplement that raise in rent or something like that. So a lot of people Mm. um, in certain communities are just at the mercy of the system. And so uh, I want to bring that to the forefront and then start coming up with aggressive solutions that not only put us in the best possible position as a community, but we put the businesses in the best possible position as well to continue to produce and, and manufacture at a highest uh, at the highest level, mm-hmm. and it's all coming from Georgia. And most people, when they think about relocating to areas, they also look at the demographics and how ready, readily prepared with that skill set that whatever their industry is in, that that demographic could probably provide. And so instead of somebody looking at an area to come because we have lowest lower uh, millage and tax rate or because we have available land or because they're probably not going to be held accountable for it more on the south side than the north side, mm-hmm. then that's taking advantage of of, of, our, of us. And so we have to start you know, setting that standard, having those uh, accountability methods in place and ethics methods in place to be able to be uh, to grow properly. Interesting you say that because uh, we're going to stay on education for a second because the HBCU is becoming – it's already been popular with us, but now with social media and the growth of HBCUs and the attention placed on HBCUs and you know the education of our community past – elementary middle high school the the continuing education so what initiatives do you put in place that work with hbcus such as morris brown college or morehouse or a spellman that would enrich the community as it pertains to the overall education of district 75 um you mean like how would i partner with uh yes uh well 
I, I know one of our great partners in the county is Clayton State University. Yes. Uh, and Clayton State University does so much in the community. Uh, we are uh, a little uh, distance from the HBCUs in the, in the, in the uh, area, but I think that it's important for us to start partnering with them to bring them out there. Yes. It's a lot of times that uh, I think it's uh, – we don't like to step on each other's foot. You know, if Clayton True, State yeah, is in this yeah. area, we let Clayton State stay in this area. If such, 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 such is in this area, we let them stay in this area. Uh, but I know that when we're doing these uh, job fair, I mean, um, I don't, are, are they career fairs or I would uh, say college fairs? College fairs, yes. College mm-hmm. fairs. And we, uh, with the HBCUs, especially with Morris Brown, the, the Morris Brown coming back, Yes. was one of the greatest resurgence stories in the world. Mm-hmm. And so we're... It still is. It, it still is. It's so, so let's take a speak of present. And so I'm so thankful for that. And now we need to let the people on the South Side know in those schools that Morris Brown is open for business. We want you here. We want, we want to be able to uh, uh, allow you to continue your education at a, a very prestigious HBCU that, you know gives you that experience as well as those academics. But right. that experience and that culture is a, is really big on, I think, education too because, I mean, we've looked at so many things redacted from our educational understanding that has something to do directly with our culture that affects us going forward. And and so I think that that's big and people knowing the story of Morris Brown. It's just not a, a building or, or, or a college, a mm-hmm. normal college or, or a Spelman or – uh, what Spelman just received all that money from uh, those donors. People ain't donating Lock. to universities or colleges that aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and that's and the largest in uh, HBCU ever. history ever. Ever, yes. yeah, ever, ever. Mm-hmm. And people donated to Morris Brown to get Morris Brown back. Yeah, and so exactly. that 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 takes faith, and you know, people go in their pockets. They go, they believe in it. Then. Yeah, they believe in a vision, and it's a and and I'm see you're you're giving me you're you're throwing me alleys of segues here, which is just so awesome because the the people the people donate, the people work together. We always say it takes a village, absolutely, and more to bring a historic university back or anything back really if you're fighting for something and you stand on it there's going to be people that stand with you in the fight absolutely that's why you see a lot of petitions going around to have this done or have that done and the third so and it's so interesting that you say that because being able to partner with hbcus that are maybe miles away that really enhances the other part of it, transit. Absolutely. You see what I mean? So so, th- so then you bring those initiatives, and now it's like, oh, hey, wait a minute. No, we, we've, we've got to – Marta's got to do something about this area, or something has to be improved in this area. It gets them to act quicker, yeah, especially see- when it, as it pertains to education. We want to get people to these uh, – these places of higher education, higher learning. How how do we say, I'm here to help the young men and young women with a prosperous future mm-hmm. if we're only going to give them half of what they need to succeed? Yeah, no half-stepping. Yeah. No, you can't half-step. We can't give them half of what they need. We need to give them uh, the entire equation. If the community doesn't half-step with you, why would you half-step with them? Exactly. It just It's nonsensical. It just can't happen that way. And that's why you're here in this seat serving the community in District 75 
and you know you are continuing your father's great legacy which is just absolutely awesome yeah there's not many people that can say that but you can and you've done it for a long time so what would you say are the initiatives of the future what's next for district 75 besides the transportation and the education that you're really looking to you know stand on those principles and get the people to understand why we need this in our area in our district well um i want to make sure we in, in the interest of terminology we speaking on towards the future as well mm-hmm. uh once I'm elected to District 75, yeah, existence. Um, then first I want to, you know, work on some of the local legislation that's already uh, on the table that mm-hmm. continues to support the cities and the municipalities within the county to ensure that they have all the success that they need. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the resources that they need. Um, really, really big on health care. Mm-hmm. Healthcare is a really big deal in our community. Yes. Uh, as well as, like I said before, uh, rent control, being able to stop this this the, the, the bleeding and be able to provide some support to these people because right now we're we're really experiencing tough times. We are optimistic mm-hmm. and we are resilient, but we are experiencing tough times right now, and we are in even tougher political environments uh, to where we don't know who to trust. We don't know what to believe. We're seeing things that we thought that could never happen in the political atmosphere. And so I think that while we're gaining some followers that are here for the drama and here for the comments, we're also losing some people that actually believed in the process. And so uh, some of the things that I want to do is restore that back to the political process. I want to bring that relatability back to the pro- – I've tried so hard to – embed myself into the political world but i haven't been able to i haven't lost myself i haven't i haven't lost that relatability which is great because Mm -hmm. that gives me that ear to the streets like the comedian said back in the day he said uh man when i need new material i go back to the streets and we have to keep our ear that way because this is who we're representing Mm -hmm. and so i want my legislation and policy to reflect my constituents based on their need and not just what I think. I am the representative that will go down and speak on our behalf, but I'm speaking on our behalf exactly. So uh, the more influence, the more um, that people actually give their input, the more that we are able to comprise plans that look like us and that work for us. And so uh, I know that healthcare is a really big deal in the state of Georgia as mm-hmm. well as the South Side. And yeah. there are so many different things that you have to go through before you can even say, hey, I want a hospital. But when hospitals close, it may be in the interest of the business, but the community suffers. And yes. so, so many instances, somebody could probably call me naive, uh, but. I just believe that we should be doing the right thing and we should be taking care of the people in order to grow the economics of the world, I think. Because people are the cap, human capital is the most important thing that we have when it comes to uh, growth and economics and and, and economic development. Uh, I know that, you know, 
we're in the AI stage, we're in the, the, the technology stage, but I still believe in human capital. Yeah, we didn't we didn't know what was coming when we called Allen Iverson AI and <laughs> the answer. And he was the answer. And now AI, they're using AI to get a form of answers. Absolutely. And generate them quickly. Isn't that crazy? It, it's getting rid of it, our independent thought. Exactly. And yeah. and a lot of a lot of us were independent thinkers anyway, but the ones that were independent thinkers were innovative enough to be able to spread it out to where it can make sense. But if nobody's thinking independently, nobody's coming up with these ideas and brainstorming, mm-hmm. we're all being, you know, programmed and controlled. And mm-hmm. now we have a cookie cutter situation. It may benefit some, it may not. And what's good for you may not be good for somebody else. But we need to make sure that we make it good for everybody. It's conducive that that environment if you choose to live in this area. And it's interesting that you said that when you spoke about healthcare just a moment ago, um, the prime example of the community suffering or having to go farther. Not not everybody. I know the billboards say you cannot live without Grady, right? Absolutely. No, no, it's not a disrespect. It's not disrespect to Grady, but there are a lot of people who would choose to go to a different hospital or what have you. And we saw the closure recently of Atlanta Medical Center, which had been around a long time on Boulevard, which kind of gave a prime example of how the community suffers when you don't have that neighborhood hospital to go to and now you the the difference between life and death could be that two to five extra minutes that you have to go to Grady instead of what was Atlanta Medical Center those extra two to five minutes that that ambulance is weaving through traffic to get to Grady could be the matter of life and death for some people so you made a great point that Healthcare and having hospitals readily available to the community to keep us well, it just, it's a vast importance. We don't want the community to have to suffer or have to, you know, worry about those extra two to five minutes it takes to get to this hospital when you could have one in your own community. Well, so I got some real numbers for you, right? Talk to me. Uh, So... As even yesterday, I, I was looking at a news story about one of the things that we're facing as regular, ordinary citizens. Mm-hmm. Um, do I call the ambulance or do I not call the ambulance? Ooh. Because if I call the ambulance Ooh. and it's not in my network, I'm going to receive a hefty bill. Ooh. And if I don't call the ambulance, I may die. Or if I don't call the ambulance, should I have taken myself? See, somebody said it was almost cheaper for me to catch an Uber from Atlanta to Los Angeles than it was to catch a nine-minute ambulance ride from, uh, you know, Tara Boulevard to Upper Riverdale Road to the hospital. Wow. So, you all, I'm going to give you some real numbers, right? Yes. As of, and, and I'm so thankful for Georgia Stand Up uh, yes. for this, uh, this, uh, these statistics. Uh, as of December 2023, uh, 2023, 503, I mean, 500, 500, 503, 547 were, K, 1,000, were unenrolled, disenrolled from Medicaid, Medicaid. 
we have to expand Medicaid and Medicare in the state of Georgia. So we had over half of we had these uh, people half a million disenrolled, people and it could disenrolled. be procedural things like they didn't fill out the paperwork right, or their mom or, or dad is no longer covered, but the kids are covered. Right. They don't know that, and they're disenrolling people, hmm. and you don't find out until you're in the event of the emergency room saying, "Hey, I have insurance," or "Hey, I have proper right. documentation that supports this." Uh, this is this is um. I think they said 430 and uh, I mean 430,000 people were had procedural terminations. Those because they may fill out the wrong document. They may wow. not sign it. May not have put the date. That's a procedural termination. Um wow. Almost half of all Georgia counties have no OGBYN. That's that's a lot. And and we're in a situation where the doctors are in a situation where they, they you know, they don't want to take less. Uh, the public is in a situation where we're at the mercy of the medical, uh, high, high ri- rising medical cost, um, rising burdens of you had to catch an ambulance because it was a life or death situation. Mm-hmm. But now you're healed and you're better, but you got $9,000 sitting on your lap for an ambulance ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are things that's not fair. And these are things that how do you expect somebody to get better if they physically uh, come back and then they're dealing with this that's traumatically mentally tearing them down as well. Exactly. And that's these are and let's keep it real all the way real because we we do this on on this radio show and at this radio station. You've known us for years the African American community is the is the worst sufferer of that because we we're the ones that have to make those decisions and we have to make them in a tough manner. Well, I'm gonna tell you, we're not the only ones making those decisions now. We ain't the only ones that's been affected now. Mm. And and that's when you see change. That's when it that's when it gets real. Yeah. Mm. yeah. We, we not. We're. And and thank you for clarifying that point because that's where it, when people say enough is enough. That's when the greatest need comes. Yes. And that's when the majority of the work gets done and at a faster pace than what it would have been a year or two or three or five before. I See, I alluded to you a few minutes ago about my age. I told you about my age. When I first came into this uh, radio station, I was uh, uh, probably 40, 40, 40, yeah, 40, yeah. 40, something uh-huh. like that. And so one thing we know that if we keep living, we're going to get older. Right. And we have to ensure that we are setting up the resources for our seniors Mm -hmm. to be able to have a quality of life. Mm -hmm. No, we don't want you getting to the point that you've served your country, you've served your community, you've done great things for your family as an individual. And then because you got old and, you know, had had unfortunately you got a sickness or something like that, Mm-hmm. Now you want to afford it, the hard work and things that you've put in based on the way the medical industry is set up now or the way the healthcare situation is set up now in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I think that if anything, we can sit down with our brothers and sisters on the other side of the aisle and start the conversation about expanding Medicaid because so many of our citizens are being underserved. And it's interesting because that all of that is why we need to not only register to vote but show up to the polls because we have a primary coming up is that correct man you know what 
um, ever since I've been running for public office, the primaries have been my biggest um, time because I'm in heavy Democratic districts, so I don't have to worry about a general election. Mm-hmm. The primaries have been where the, where the meat is at. Yes. And so our primary for uh, this election is May 21st. Yes. 2024. Mm-hmm. And, and it's always in May. Uh, mm-hmm. I think since I've done this several times, I've gone from May 22nd, May 24th to now May 21st. <laughs> and so um, to this this uh, year is May 21st. Mm-hmm. Uh, early voting starts in April. Okay. Um, no, uh, early voting had started. It started in April. Uh, well, it started in February for some people. Okay. Because, yeah. see, the confusion is – that there are different elections going on. We have Super Tuesday coming up, which is the presidential yeah. election. Mm-hmm. So when everybody goes out and they vote in the presidential election, I think March the 12th, mm-hmm. please, please, it is not over. Our state and local elections are on the ballot in May. This is when you say, oh, man, are you looking at the TV watching CNN and you're yelling at CNN? You mm-hmm. should probably turn it to uh, a local channel Yeah, and Look at the legislation and policy that's going on under the Georgia Dome mm-hmm. uh, with, from the months of January to March or April. That's what determines our outcome in this state. And mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's mainly what we need to be paying attention to when we're talking about um, some of the issues that we're facing. They're not federal issues. They're state mm-hmm. things. And it's even better when between those months, you can go down and lobby your legislator. You can go down and talk to them. You pay their salaries. The Capitol is a free place. Once you get through security, it is your house. You are there to do the work of the state of Georgia. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a legislator or you're a citizen, Mm -hmm. we all have a responsibility. And so our responsibility as citizens needs to be to not only, you know, try to take our legislators and policymakers to task, because that usually happens in, in, in public settings, we need to be able to sit down and have those tangible, quality conversations so that we can know the the, the things that we're advocating for on behalf, and mm-hmm. we're doing it together in a unison uh, aspect. Absolutely. And so, let's, I, I know we have a few, a few moments left here, but just tell everybody where we can find, follow you, support, and, of course, on your site, donate. Because Absolutely. there's also a donate button uh, for your for your campaign on the website as well. Because we got plenty, we got a multitude of people listening in from all over the area, from Stone Mountain to right here in the city, that really know the work that you have done and stand by every minute, every second of your campaign right now. And they are, they are showing up and showing out because I can see it right here in front of me. They they have been showing up and showing out for you to listen to, listen to everything that you have to say this morning. And so for those out there who are tuned in, just tell us real quickly where we can find you, follow you on social media, and really dive into the initiatives and donate. So first of all, I want to give a shout out to my daughter and my niece, uh, Milan and Trinity, if they listening, because I know they, they out of sure school they this are. week. Well, they out of school this week. So, you know, they might be trying to sleep in a little bit. You know, teenagers, <laughs> they get tired really easily. <laughs> 
Uh, we were there once. Yeah, we, I mean, it was a while ago. <laughs> it, it was a little while ago. Not, not that long. Not that long ago. I'm still youthful. <laughs> I, I don't know what they're talking about. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my grandkids as well. I have grandkids. Uh, no, what? I, I did not have grandkids last time. When I do, I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. So, well, hey, 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 now, now, now don't now, call me Papa. Now, now, don't now, do that. Too, now you're too young for that. Now, I mean, but, hey, look, when you, you, hey, when life happens, life happens. happens yeah. You know what I mean? You know, I take I take every role with 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 you know with love and everything. So. Uh, and also my campaign team, anybody from my campaign team, mm-hmm. and just any supporters, I appreciate you all for listening. Uh, make sure you tune in, uh, as well as other days as well, too. Um, you can find me on social media, on Facebook, at Michael Glanton, or at Friends of Michael, uh, Friends of Mike Glanton Jr. on Facebook. Uh, on Instagram, I'm on uh, Mike Glanton, for, uh, Mike Glanton Jr., 475. As well as Mike Glanton too, on uh, Instagram. You know, I had so many different um, pages, man. I have, I, I have to, man. It's all over the place. Um, as well as X. I guess I'll say X instead yeah, of Twitter. Yeah, whatever yeah. that is. I'm on Twitter <laughs> as uh, pretty much branded everywhere else uh, as Mike Glanton Jr. Twitter, um, TikTok, and things like that. I'm I'm not doing any dancing on TikTok, but I do kind of favor TikTok <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I, I it's 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 uh, different. Social media is different. Um, my website is uh, Um Now, more than ever, it is uh, very, very crucial for uh, campaigns and is essential for us to be able to fundraise. So I know that, you know, we've talked about all these issues mm-hmm. that create financial hardships for us in, in, um, in so many places. Yes. Uh, but... If you could dig deep just a little bit, let me go into a, a preacher mode. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> if you can dig deep just a little bit, you know, whether it's $25, $50, $100, or, you know, if you can exceed that amount, $250 or, or whatever, then sow a seed based on what we are trying to do in the future. You know, sow a seed with the intentions to want to see better policy and want to see better legislation. Uh, these are the things that we need to be able to to get into the office. Um, you can help in several different things if you can't donate financially. You can uh, help purchase things for them. And, uh, we're always mm-hmm. you know, needing branding and, and, and public relations. And if you want to host an event and, 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 and introduce them to me and, and introduce them to the campaign and hopefully they can get on board, um, we'll, have, we, we'll be able to set everything up for you, give you the expectations, and you go from there. Uh, but there are expectations so that we can be successful. Uh, also, if you want to come out, we're, we're going to be phone banking. We can send you a mm. link to where you can call voters for us. There will be a script right there provided for you with a survey que- uh, with survey questions so that you could uh, be able to collect the data. It's pretty cool once you learn to do these things because now you're taking place in the political process. Right. And um, we're going to be going door-to-door eventually. Uh, and when I go to events, we have uh, what you call a shadow team, people that go to different events with me and show support. It, uh, you know, if we walk in the room alone, you're like, okay, you know, I'm here. I'm going to do what I do. But if you walk in the room 10 deep, 20 deep with people that support you and believe in you, mm-hmm. it's a lot It's a lot different impact. It's, it's a way, it's, it's a better impact uh, for me as an individual just to see that support out there. 
uh, as well as these these things these they are very informative. Uh, I'm talking about no matter how much I'm involved in the process, I still learn something when I go to these meetings and uh, these town halls and things like that. Uh, so I just encourage people to get involved with any political process that you can in your neighborhood, in your community. But uh, most importantly, you can get involved from here. And and you're not too far and you're not too wide to make phone calls and do that, make link, do the, uh, get the link and everything. And you're not too far to donate. You can go right on the website. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Go hit the donate button and, you know, you can donate any amount. And uh, last but not least, pray for me. You know, send up prayers, Always. send up positive thoughts and yes. encouragement, uh, on, whether it be on social media, whether you want to write me a note on the website, whatever. Uh, all those things are really, really encouraging to my motivation and my spirit and my team spirit, and it helps us continue to go. Absolutely. Man, now now you talk about a powerful interview. This was one of those, and we do it every single time he comes here. The one, the only, representing District 75 here in Georgia, Georgia House of Representatives, Mr. Mike Glanton Jr. Thank you so much for being on and coming back home Absolutely. always to the family. Absolutely. You know how we and do And I it. can't wait to come back after, uh, you know, yes. in, in June. I can come. The election is over in May May 21st. Um, we won't be going past June the 10th. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord willing, we won't because my birthday is June 1st. Yeah, and I right. I need a break. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Um, yeah. we want, we, if you want to come have me back in June and, or, or throughout, you know, to try to continue to ramp up support for the political process that we have to go through in November, mm-hmm. because even though we're in May, my situation may be kind of decided in May, but we still have a lot of work to do in November, especially with the presidential general election coming up. Brother, you read my mind already. Hey, Look at man. That. You, you, you just said it for I me. I mean, Atlanta's on the news everywhere embedded into the, the the this this whole presidential election. Exactly. So we definitely need to make sure that we are, um, you know, paying attention and not only doing that but getting involved. Absolutely. I, I, I didn't give my dad a shout-out either. I didn't give my family a yeah, shout-out. Yeah, so please give dad, please give dad I a shout-out. I want to give a, a shout-out to my dad if he's listening. Uh, I appreciate everything you did, you've done for me. I appreciate the path that you've laid down for myself and every other young person that, you know, you helped and supported in the state of Georgia. And, hey, man, it's up from here. It is definitely up from here. And, um, listen, I really thank you so much for being on The Morning Machine. You always know you have a radio Hi, Mom. here. Yep. Hi, Mom. Mom, <laughs> Mom I'm sorry, Mom. I know you're listening, too. <laughs> Oh, she gonna get on your yeah, case man. now. Oh yeah. man, you, yeah. you know you 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 could be in the public eye in politics <laughs> all you want to, but if you if you didn't give mom a shout out, you still in trouble. Yeah, women were women are the foundation to everything. She said she she'll say that Cosby line. I brought you into this world, I could take you out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> women are the foundation to everything. There you go. One hundred percent. That's what it is. But uh, thank you so much once again. And yes, we will have you back in June and we will definitely prepare accordingly for that. So once Absolutely. again, just thank you, honored and privileged to have you as family here at this phenomenal station to be able to speak transparently on the issues, but also the solutions. So we really appreciate you giving us that.